You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. We are a local congregation in Lexington, Kentucky, and we would love to see you join God's restoring work of love in your life. You can find out more about us at restorationlex.com slash welcome. There's helpful links about how you can grow, how you can serve, and be good news in our city. Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's wild to stay here seven years as a church and looking around this room and seeing people who've been here from the beginning, seeing people who have showed up in the last month or so. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I usually don't really know what to say in moments like this. Words fail me because this stuff is, is hard. And, and, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but depending on where you look at statistics, between 50 and 80% of church plants fail within the first five years. Upwards of 80. It's, it's, it's incredible. Every church plant, we, they face adversity and challenges, and they outlast things that come their way. But we have gone through a lot together. We have survived seven years as a mobile church. Not many people survive that long as a mobile church. We've survived a pandemic where we weren't able to meet together as a whole community for 57 straight weeks and somehow grew during that time. Uh, Not to mention the fact that after those 57 weeks, there were tons of restrictions. How many of you remember the giant plexiglass walls we had up here for a long time? There was so much challenge even after we were able to gather. We have had obstacles that you have seen, obstacles that you have not seen, barriers that have been practical and spiritual, and in spite of everything, here we are seven years later. I, I realize that many of you have come along in our story and may not even know how we began. So let me share a little bit about how we got started. Back in 2016, I was a campus pastor for a larger church here in Lexington. In our campus, we were focused on downtown Lexington. Personally, I had been invested in that part of the city for uh, since 2013. So for now, I guess about 11 years uh, I was working part-time at uh, North Lime Coffee and Donuts. How many of you heard of that place? Working there and getting the community started. We began with these missional communities. We multiplied those, and in 2014, we began an actual meeting Sunday night campus in the Chevy Chase area, and after that, we moved into the east end of downtown Lexington. But in 2016, the church I was working for went in a drastically different direction, a seismic shift in their focus and their mission, and they were pretty adamant that we move out of downtown and focus on something completely different. And so I was, I was devastated, man. I didn't know what to do. This was my job, and this was my passion and calling. And as we began to think through what this was going to look like for us, the folks who were a part of that campus, who had been invested in this area we're like hey you know what we're we're not done man we're not done like god has planted us here god has given us this vision and this calling in this city and we are not done and so we did something wild at that point with less than 2 months of planning with no support from churches out there somewhere or big denominations we launched out as our own. And back before that, back in the, the summer of 2016, as we moved into the East End area and a church on Sunday nights, we began doing this series about the kind of people we wanted to be. We called this series 
restore. I felt drawn to those words. Isaiah 61 says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That was my passion, especially during 2016, which I don't know if you knew what was happening in the world in 2016. It wasn't a cakewalk at that point. Uh, lots of stuff were happening in the news and the world around us, and it was a very much, to, to me, a tear down and tear apart world. And I wanted to build a community. I wanted to see a community of Christians who in a tear down and tear apart world were known for what they were building, known for what they were restoring, known for what they were calling together. That's who we wanted to be. So when we began thinking about what it would look like in two months to plant this church, and not only that, the, what we're going to call it. We thought, well, what better to call it than restoration? Because that's the kind of people we want to be. We want to be restorers in a teardown world. And when we were trying to give language to this of what that restoration looked like, this is the mission statement that was birthed in that moment. It was that we believe that Jesus is restoring people who restore the world. And our mission is to join him. That's our mission statement. It starts, I hope you notice, it starts with Jesus and not with us. The mission statement starts with who Jesus is. It's a declaration of our faith. It's a testimony of what we see in and around us, that God is already present and is already working, that we don't go out and start a church so Jesus can show up. We go and plant a church because Jesus is already present and working, right? And that's where we began with the restoring work of Jesus in and around us. And we watched over and over again as God brought restoration in us. What came out of his restoring work in us was love and God's restoring work where we were in our neighborhoods, in our city. And that's the kind of people we wanted to be. Watch what Jesus is doing and join him. Watch what Jesus is doing in people's lives, in our neighborhoods, and join him. I was reflecting on this this past week and thinking back over the last decade plus of ministry in downtown Lexington, and I remember this conversation I had with this wise, uh, older Christian leader that had been embedded in downtown Lexington for many, many years at that point. I was young and idealistic, coming down and thinking, we're going to just take the world for Jesus and was really stupid. Let's be honest. Very, very stupid. And, and I was meeting with this older, wiser pastor who, who sat down with me very graciously and talked about what it meant to be a presence in the neighborhood. Here's what he told me. He said, it takes seven years, seven years of planting and watering and harvesting season after season for a field to produce its best crop. So if you want to bear fruit in your ministry, if you want to bear fruit in the kind of community you want to be, you better put down roots. You better last. And when I heard that, it was both sobering and inspiring because I knew this wouldn't be just a flash in the pan idea. It couldn't just be something that we did because it was fun and exciting and then moved on to something else when it got tiring or boring. The good stuff the movement of God that you and I long for, that, that takes time, right? That takes roots. That takes investment. And so if we want to see what God is doing, if we want to see what God is investing in and growing, we better be willing to put down those 
fruits. Now, looking back on those words, I, I kind of see them with fresh eyes. Because back then, what it, it made sense to me was is that, yes, it's going to take about seven years. Very chronological. But what you don't know, if you're thinking through the lens of a farmer, seven years isn't just seven years. It's seven years of seasons. It's seven years of planting seeds in hard ground. It's seven years of praying for rain. It's seven years of celebrating a beautiful harvest. It's seven years of the ground growing still in the cold. It's seven years then of planting new seeds in hard ground again. Season after season after season. When he said it takes seven years, he didn't just mean time. He meant seven years of investment in the ups and the downs of what you will see grow. It reminded me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 3 that we're focusing here on today. The Corinthian church, it was younger than we are, and it was seeking to wrestle with what it meant to be a people in a very hostile world towards those who were not invested in their culture. They lived in a hostile empire. They were devolving this church into factions and loyalties as this young, immature church. Some of them saw fruit in the ministry of this man named Apollos, and so they were like, yeah, everybody go do what Apollos says. But some of them obviously, as Paul's writing this, saw that Paul, the ministry of Paul, that's where the good stuff is. And so they began to break into factions and loyalties towards one leader, an idea versus another. One was team Apollos, one was team Paul, and it became really weird and tense between them. But Paul writes to correct this mindset. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. There's much that we can see in this passage, but there's three things I want to point to today here on our seven-year anniversary. First, we see that church is not a ministry for God. It is a partnership with Him. What we see from Paul in these words is he does not say, get to planting, get to work, and if you don't, you will fail. But he also does not say, let's all get together and pray in a room until something happens. No, we plant and we water with the expectation God brings growth. We step out into the ministry we've been called to because we know it's not my planting or your watering. It's our planting and your watering with the God who is already in the process of making things grow. This means that what we do is not to get God to do the growth. We do this because we already go and step in faith, in mission, knowing God brings the growth that we're looking for. So our response in ministry as a church is neither anxiety or apathy. You can build ministry on the anxiety of, we've got to go out for God. We can build on the apathy of, well, I'm sure something will happen. No, this is a Holy Spirit partnership with the living God as we partner with him in the ministry that we've been called to, in the promise that God brings growth. Amen? 
Secondly, we see here in this passage that planting and watering is about the congruence within it, not competition. Here's what I mean by this. In the Corinthian church, the ministry of Paul and the ministry of Apollos were, were placed in contrast to one another instead of being understood together. Here's how this usually works. Some of us have giftings or passions or personalities or backgrounds or experiences that draw us to one particular part of a ministry in the church. Maybe you come from a background where worship is so important to you, or maybe you come from a background where you have watched communities sitting around living rooms being so formational, or maybe you come from a background where you think, man, we got to get the church out into the city serving our neighbors and meeting needs, and what we do, we get really passionate about these things, and rightfully so, but with a mindset of scarcity, we place them at odds against one another. As if I'm focusing on worship. No, 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 no. If you're focusing on worship, that means you're not focusing on community. And if you invest in worship, that means there's not enough for community. Or if you invest in mission, there's not enough for worship. It's a mindset of scarcity that builds into the church a competition of things that are all good and all worthy and all building together something that God is growing. All of us, these things are deeply important in the church. If you are passionate about worship, God's put you here to be passionate about worship. If you are passionate about community, God has put you here to be passionate about community. If God has made you passionate about serving our neighbors, he's put you here with that gifting and talent and passion and experience. But when we devolve into factions and place good things in unnecessary competition against one another or good leaders in unnecessary competition against one another, we create an either or that does not exist in the scriptures, right? Do you hear me? Our worship fuels our mission, and our mission out there fuels our worship. Our community fuels our passion for serving in the city. Our community fuels our passion for gathering on Sundays and celebrating what God is doing. Like Paul and Apollos, we need the full spectrum of the giftings and passions of the church for us to grow and to thrive together. Amen? Do you hear me in that? You have giftings and passions and spirit-empowered gifts that are needed in this church and are not in competition with others. God's put you here on purpose. Finally, and maybe this seems obvious in what we're reading and what we know, but I want to make it clear. We are what God is growing. Years ago, I was sitting with a pastor who was talking about growing his church, and he said, he was talking about some folks that were leaving and moving on to something else, and he said, don't worry, the people are scaffolding for what God is building. And I thought, wait a minute. No, the people are what God is building. Because if people are just tools in what God is building in some organization out there, then what are we doing? If God's not growing people, he's not growing the church. And if God is using people to grow an organization, what a weak God he is. You are 
God's field, Paul says. God's building. You are what God is growing. We can grow this organization massively, but if you aren't growing, we aren't growing. How we measure growth is massive. And what I want to tell you and make clear today is that growth is growth in people more than anything else. Do we want organizations to grow and structure to grow? Yes, but to the degree that it serves the growth of who we are. And this is important for us to understand. I want to switch gears here because back in November, we put out this church-wide survey that was intended to kind of gauge our collective opinion about how we gather. And here's why. We've been here at the Lyric for six years, and it's been a great six years. There are many things about gathering at the Lyric that are awesome. It allows us financial flexibility. It allows us to partner with great organizations in the city. And because we set up and we tear down on a weekly basis, we never have to forget that we are God's building. Because this certainly isn't. This is just where we meet. We see in a very tangible way, week in and week out, we are God's building. But there's also some difficulties that come with this space, right? Uh, For instance, it's really difficult on children's ministry. Many of you won't see that. You don't see what happens up there on a weekly basis, but the flexibility we have to have the work that Sheena has to do on a weekly basis just to get this ready to be a welcoming and safe and clean environment for your kids, it takes a lot. It's very difficult, too, on our short-term groups that meet on Sunday mornings. We have a a good spot sharing with the children right now, but anybody who's been a part of a short-term group on Sunday mornings knows that you have met in some weird places in this building that are not always conducive for conversation and growth. We constantly, because we don't own this facility, have to be flexible. It's not always conducive for the kind of, of, of environments we want to build. Secondly, six years of setup and teardown, y'all, it takes a toll. It's tiring. It's exhausting. There will be more amens, I, I think, in this room if, 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 if we were being honest. It takes a toll. And what we what we don't like the most about this building, and there's so many things we don't, we love, but the thing that we struggle with the most is that it's really, really difficult on Sunday to be present. Because on Sundays, we would love to be able to linger and to have conversations and be able to not worry when we're praying that we have to tear down chairs and move out because we have to be out of here at a certain time based upon our lease. It's very difficult, very difficult to be present with one another when that looming feeling is always there of, we got to tear down. And we, we, we don't like that because we want to gather in a place and in a way that we can truly be present with one another. And lastly, one of the other difficulties is, is that the, the staff of the Lyric here, the, the, the director and the folks who are running this place are, are new and they're doing a really good job a really good job, such a good job that there's lots of stuff happening now, tons and tons and tons of things happening, really cool events, and they're killing it, 
But for us, that means that it's not as empty and unused as it used to be. So you might come in, you don't see it on a Sunday morning, and there's a wedding set up. Or you, we might come in on a Sunday morning, and there's lots of things from an event. And you all never see this because of our amazing volunteers that clean up and make sure this room is ready for you to just have a normal morning. So of all this, there's many, many difficulties that we see in that too. So because of this, last year, we began the conversation, and let me be clear, we began the conversation of just the possibility of having a permanent space somewhere else. Now, saying that, let me stop here. As a leader, I am abundantly aware, and all of our staff and elders are, of a sobering awareness of how many bad experiences many of us have had in regards to churches and buildings. I, I mean, I know some stories of people that they've experienced in here, and if I told you, you could probably make a podcast about it. I mean, it's just absolutely wild. And so, even having this conversation, I want you to know we are doing so with fear and trembling, with holy fear and trembling of knowing where people have been and wanting to be good stewards spiritually and financially moving forward. So November, we put out this, this thing just to gauge people's opinions about where we're at so we can be serious about if something happens, what might be next. So we don't have all the answers for that available today. That's coming the next month. I can give you a, basically an overview here today of what we found in this survey, and that is that overall, the congregation's attitudes towards pursuing a per permanent facility are very positive. Most people are very positive about that idea. And so knowing that alone for our elders and staff has been incredibly helpful. It helps us navigate how to, with wisdom, handle this moment spiritually, financially, relationally, and navigate this with wisdom. But here's what I want to make abundantly clear with telling you this today. There is today on this anniversary no bait-and-switch surprise. There's no big announcement today, so you can breathe. Nothing's happening. In fact, if there's anything to announce, we just signed on for another year here at the Lyric because there's nothing that is, at least in this sense, close enough for us not to be able to do that with the Lyric. And we're excited about that. We love the staff, and, and as with, even with the difficulties, we love being here at the Lyric. But what that does mean for us is that we think, given the information we have, we can be more serious in the future about looking for a permanent space. And while we have been engaging some different ideas for the past six months, we feel like in 2024 what we want to do is, is begin looking in earnest as a team for what that could be for us in the future. So we're living in that tension. We're, we're here now. We don't really have anything that's concrete in the future, but we want you to know and to be able to pray that we are looking. We are seeking out what God may do. Now, knowing that, while we don't have some big announcement for you today, what I do want to share with you before we close, which is very important, is five values that I believe drive these decisions for us moving forward. So you can know as leaders our heart within this. First of all, we value financial 
stewardship. Hopefully this goes without saying, but we want to steward our resources as a church. And any movement forward, any option that we look at is one that will be financially responsible. Many of you have seen what happens when you do things in the church that are not financially responsible, and it ends up very messy. So I want you to know, first and foremost, we are passionate about being good stewards of what God is entrusting us. That is value number one as we move forward. Secondly, when we're looking for something, we're looking for week-long ministry. We have no interest in having another facility that's just a Sunday morning thing that sits dark all week. None whatsoever. We want it to be a centerpiece of ministry, not only for our church, but for the kingdom as a whole all week long. That's what we dream of, is having a space that is a ministry opportunity for everyone and not just Sunday morning. Third, we value community engagement. We love partnering with our our nonprofit partners, our community organizations that we work with that oftentimes, my friends, lack the space to do the sort of things that they need. We would love to have a facility that can be a tool in the hands of other people in in our city that need space to dream up and to accomplish the mission of what God has called us to. That's the kind of space we want, not just something that serves us, but is good news to the city. We want our city to think, oh, restoration has a space of their own now. That's good news to me, not just them, because I know how they use their resources for our city. Fourth, we value avenues of presence. Here's what I mean by this, that we hear at the Lyric, as we say, we're, we're always by necessity on the move. We're always by necessity having to be in and out and on the move. And when we look forward to a space that we want, we want a space that allows us to slow down and be present with one another a space that allows us to be present to God and present to one another as we gather, and that it's a space for community to be able to gather so our short-term groups don't have to meet in a broom closet or something like that anymore. There's space to be present with one another and grow. And finally, and most importantly, we value the Holy Spirit's leadership. Listen, all of these right things can be present. But if the Holy Spirit is telling us no, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And likewise, some of these things might not be all together in one place the way we want, but we may feel the nudge, the push as a community of the Holy Spirit and think maybe there's something we're not seeing, and so we move forward. I know that makes some people nervous, and here's why I'm comfortable saying we value the Holy Spirit's leadership, because I'm speaking of the Holy Spirit in the context of we. Beware when the Holy Spirit is talked about in a very individualistic way where one dude or some woman gets a download, and this is what God has said for us. If you have the Holy Spirit, but don't have somebody telling you when you're being an idiot, I'm not sure you have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not an individual spirit. He is a communal spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is telling me something like, hey, let's go buy a Rupp Arena, the Holy Spirit and a lot of people in here are going to say, nope. (laughs) And thank God, because we need the whole collective spiritual maturity and wisdom of the church as we move forward as leaders. And so 
I want you to know, those of you who have seen the Holy Spirit used to do some stupid stuff, to know it's not just the Holy Spirit in me or one or two people. It's the Holy Spirit together and the wisdom that we're seeking together. As he leads, we follow. We want to see as he steps, we take a step. We not get ahead of the Holy Spirit and we not fall behind him. As he leads, we follow step by humble step. We don't want to move at the, face of, at the pace of fear, and we also don't want to move at the pace of selfish ambition. We want to move at the pace of the Holy Spirit. And because of this, as Paul says, Paul plants, Apollos waters, but it is God who makes things grow. Here's what I am confident of in what we know today and what we don't yet know as Scripture tells us, as we step out in faith, those of us who will plant and water together in this community, God is already making things grow. It's not me. It's not Hannah. It's not anybody on this stage. It is God who makes things grow. And that's why I'm confident. Not because we have some big vision. Not because we have all the right ideas. Not because we have it figured out. I promise you, we don't. But God does, and God is bringing growth. So I wanted to close today as we move into a time of response, just praying for that as a community, just asking for God's leadership, his wisdom, his passion, his patience, his courage for our church and who we are and where we are moving forward together. And I don't want this to just be this one time, oh, this morning we prayed for our church. I am asking you, as a part of our community, to pray for restoration, to pray for our leaders, to pray for wisdom moving forward in 2024. I want to look back in the next year when we celebrate year number eight, whether we're in this room or we're not, we can look back and say, God brought the growth because we trusted him. God brought us exactly where we needed to be because we trusted him. So, Father, that's what I come to you this morning. Holy Spirit, you, you're not bombastic. You are not attention-seeking. You arrive in our church in such gentle and yet courageous ways as you lead. And so what I, I plead for this morning, Jesus, as a church, is God, that you open doors we can't. And God, you close doors that we stubbornly try to push open that don't lead to where you want us to go. Lord Jesus, may you in your wisdom and leadership bring us to exactly where we need to be. But Lord, in the meantime, help us to be present where we are. Help us to grow what, Lord, you're doing in the here and the now. I pray you strengthen our worship. I pray you strengthen our community. I pray you strengthen our mission. 
And God, that there are those even in this room, those who are listening either on the live stream or in the podcast that are a part of our community that have gifts and passions and spirit-empowered places within them that our church needs to step out and step forward. May you call them out. Call them out of isolation and into a spirit-empowered community we call church. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We trust you. We trust your leadership. Where you go, we follow, Lord. In Jesus' name. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. As we do every morning, remembering the body and blood of Jesus, this cracker representing his body broken for us, the juice representing...